From the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. This week we're talking about Google Apps. Create, share, and collaborate all of your documents and presentations online using the power of the cloud. Joining us in the studio to talk about Google Apps, Chris Holzman and Brian Harris. Along with our regular geeks, Teresa Saldana and Andy Muschlewski. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and streaming worldwide on WSUM.org, please help me welcome my co-host, Ty Christian. Yowza! It's Do It Live. The most connected radio show on the planet. And you're listening today... On WSUM, the Snake on the Lake, 91.7 FM. Welcome. Hello. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. And all sorts of other assorted hellos in different languages. This is Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. We are connected in so many ways, it'll make your head spin. Check out our website, doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. That's doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. You can contact us numbers of ways scores of ways if you will uh our phone number of course is is uh well, where is our phone number i'm trying to look at it here oh they took it down from the wall i had it on the wall and i could just look oh it's they put it back up okay they changed the direction i don't know where it's i'm looking cam- now it was camouflage yeah it's the camouflage it okay the phone number to call 608-AOKWSUM you'd think i'd remember that after all this time but 608-265-9786 is the regular number for those of you not alphabetically inclined. And, of course, uh, today uh, on the program, we've got uh, our wonderful co-host, Andy Muschlewski. How's it going? Pretty good, Ty. How Teresa are you is not here today. She's, she's, she's where? In the Galapagos she's, Islands? Believe it or not, I know last time she was gone, she, we said she was in Antarctica, but believe it or not, she's actually in the Galapagos Islands right now. What she's Hunting penguins? Or yeah, I, I was, you know... <laughs> I, if if I was in the Galapagos, I'd probably grab one of the sea turtles and just ride it to freedom. Yeah, maybe, you know, like that movie Nemo. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Ride. That's exactly what I'm thinking. So, um, yeah, so check out our <laughs> – so if you've been to the Galapagos, give us a call, <laughs> 608-265-9786. Tell me why that is logistically improbable uh, for someone to grab a sea turtle and swim with it. Uh, also, email us, uh, radio at doit.wisc.edu. That's radio at doit, D-O-I-T, dot wisc, W-I-S-C dot edu and you can check out all those uh, wonderful ways to get in contact with us on our website also check us out on itunes subscribe on itunes uh, go to itunes and just type in do it live and you will find us under the podcast section or if you just type in do it uh, you can check us out there so if you miss a show you can always tune in and see what you missed and talking about wonderful shows which today is going to be today is going to be a wonderful show because we've got we're, we're talking about google apps today which is one of my personal favorite things about the internet hands down no lie i love google apps i'm just putting it out there right now and uh in with us today to talk about google apps uh is the wonderful chris holzman how's it going oh i think you turned yourself off there did i Uh, yep oh Uh, now you're back on (laughs) yeah i'm back on uh going good great great and uh and brian harris uh co-worker of mine here from the from the do it uh help desk how's it going brian i'm doing well cool um, and also, of course, uh, with uh, 
the with us today uh, from the Do It Help Desk uh, is uh, Mr. Sean Bossinger, his first appearance on Do It Live ever. How's it going? Excellent. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and Sean is 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 my boss's boss's boss. So he is like super boss. Look out. So I, I can't say anything horrible today. Otherwise, I'm, you know, it's going to be like super bossed. That's what he'll do. Um, and when, when you actually came here, you're, you're, uh, everybody gets a login at the help desk. And it just so happened that his login was boss because his last name is Bossinger. So it's B-O-S-S. It was the best thing. It was, it was, it was great. <laughs> it so. was a happy little accident. It was it's, a happy accident. It's fitting. <laughs> Uh, that's great. So we're going to start off, even though Teresa's not here, we're going to start off the show the way that we start off every show with the best in tech news. Coming from you live, to you live, from the heartland of America, Madison, Wisconsin, it's Andy Michlewski with the tech news. We've got some... Pretty interesting stories to talk about today. Uh, one of the big things out there today is uh, Microsoft released Windows 8. It's available for download Yay! for consumers. Windows 8. Um, it looks pretty interesting. It looks more like an iOS uh, operating system when you open it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't quite down. I haven't downloaded and played with it myself. But uh, the system requirements look like they're pretty low, and uh, so that you should even be able to download this and test it on a older machine that you have laying around. So something that could run Vista could probably run this as right. well. I think the requirements were a uh, one gig processor, uh, maybe a, wow. a gig of RAM. That's it? Um, the big difference oh. was it was about, it's about double the space of a Windows 7 installation. I think it was like 16 gigs minimum that mm-hmm. you needed, mm-hmm. um, uh, which any... Well, I mean, you, you know, probably if you think have a bigger hard drive than that. You know, if you think about it, I mean, nowadays you, you got to expect that they're going to be doubling the size of of any operating system that you're throwing in there. Um, especially, you know, back in the day, what what was Windows XP like? A couple, like maybe a gig, maybe a gig. I was don't it? even think it was a gig. I don't know, Brian. Do you remember what what Windows? Yeah, XP I want to say it was around 800 megs, but it was close to a gig. Yeah, that was it. yeah. And Brian, you've actually had a chance to. Mess around with Windows 8, haven't you? Yes, for the three of us that have Windows phones, it'll be a very <laughs> easy transition. <laughs> uh, for the rest of the people, it, it's going to be a little interesting. Uh, it's a very touch-oriented interface. Uh-huh. Um, so if you have, for those people who are getting tablets, it'll be great. Uh, for the for the general desktop population or notebook population, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, especially since Microsoft is really hands-off on this one. They just want mm. consumers to play with it. So it's going to be very intriguing what happens this winter. So one of, one of the big changes is no no start button on your home page there. No start yeah, button. No start button. What am I gonna, how am I going to start? How do uh, I start? It's using the same thing as OS X does now. Everything is hot corners. So you just put your mouse in the lower left corner, oh. and you get your start button. Well, what about, you said it was very touch-oriented. What about if you want it, I mean, do you put your finger in the lower left corner? Uh, no, uh, so uh, I- yes. If you're using a, a touchpad, yeah. you certainly would. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're using a mouse or keyboard interface, you just use the, the mouse and move it over to the lo- lower left corner, just where the start button should be. Huh. And it'll uh, just slowly bubble up from the corner. I can see that being a big problem in a lot of like full screen applications and and games, especially. Yeah, I think Microsoft is really looking forward towards getting rid of the desktop. Okay. And they're and this is kind of their in between, <laughs> and uh, they're they're want to go everything touch. The met the Metro interface is what it's called, and they want everything to go to Metro apps. And they have the desktop interface just for those legacy applications that aren't quite ready yet. Huh. But they're really trying to blend off of it fast. So so they, they foresee a future in which everything is touchable and, 
and germs spread like yes. like wildfire, <laughs> I guess. They do. <laughs> right, and really geared more towards portable devices as, you know, on campus here, and I mean, I'm sure a majority of the student population have laptops rather than desktop PCs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Fewer and fewer manufacturers are actually making de- HP kind of bowed out of the desktop market this year. Um, rumors about Dell maybe doing that in the future as well. Um, well, so and we haven't seen a, a like a powerful, affordable Mac desktop in years. I mean, the Mac right. Pro is basically yeah. There's rumors about that going away as well. Yeah, yeah. So very interesting. Um, I mean, I, the way that I guess I'm, I, I'm foreseeing this is they're thinking that everything's going kind of towards tablet, or they want to be able to have people move very easily and efficiently between their devices. Right, so the user inter- interface, the, they're really going towards a mobile-based inter- mm-hmm. interface so that people switching over from their tablet or from their mobile phone, is the, the, the transition is going to be easier for those users. Mm-hmm. All right, kids, well, watch out. Pretty soon you're going to need a, uh, a license key for Office on your phone. On your computer, <laughs> on your tablet, or maybe they, or maybe, or you could just go with Google Docs. Just maybe, I was just gonna say that you could go <laughs> right into Google Docs, and you wouldn't have to worry about it. But we'll get on, we'll get onto that later. Andy, what else is in the news that we want to talk about today? So here's kind of a cautionary tale about texting. Um, this just happened uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, um, I can't remember what state this was in right now, but. Uh, Basically, a student was sending a text message to another student Mm -hmm. and um, wanted to say going to, but used kind of text speak and said gonna and auto G-U-N-N-A. G-U-N-N-A. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. But autocorrect um, changed it to gunmen. To gunmen. And what happened was the uh, two schools got locked down then because of this. So just kind of a cautionary tale. You know, when your thumbs are moving at a million miles a minute, you may want to <laughs> check that autocorrect. Yeah, be, be careful there, kids. Big, big oops. Oh, man. Yes, so always always check your texts before you send them because you don't, you don't want to be sending the wrong thing. You definitely don't want to be sending gunmen everywhere. Yeah. And you know. And... Speaking of using your hands, an, another <laughs> great news story that was, here. That was a wonderful transition. Regular, I love wonderful that. Wonderful segue here. Okay. M- MIT just developed a 3D visual I- desktop. Welcome to the future, where desktops are 3D. Um, so this is pretty interesting. Um, it's basically a see-through LCD screen that you can display a 2D image on, but then your keyboard and mouse are behind the screen and you can actually see through and see your hands moving around on the keyboard and Mm. then it can actually display display 3d images and you can manipulate them with your hands a la like minority report that's really cool i'm I'm always wondering though you know my big question for that has always been like how do you do that without using like a, a hazer or like you know getting something in the environment that light can kind of bounce off of for that 3d effect because i mean as we're as far as i know as we're sitting here right now you know without any kind of black backdrop or or any haze in the air it's really hard to project images just kind of into the air right yeah so they're using this see-through lcd display that oh so it's kind of a it's it's so it's something that you can it's it's tangible yes okay yeah okay so it's not just projecting the 3G images, 3D images out into okay. the space, but still very cool. Uh, there's a video uh, for it on uh, 
Reddit, I believe, and it's just really fascinating the way that interface works. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So pretty soon we'll be like, computer, order pizza, you know, <laughs> sausage on this half, and then it'll come out of your 3D printer right next Oh, time. my gosh. That is what I'm waiting for. It's T Earl Grey hot. That's what I'm waiting for right now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> computer. Computer. Uh, here's something that I've got. Um, uh, Twitter. Twitter is in the news for selling multi-billion dollar or multi-billion tweet archive. I suppose it could be multi-billion dollar, but but multi-billion tweet archive. So basically what happened was is, is uh, uh, Twitter said, you know, after a certain amount of time, they say that your tweets kind of, you know, go away or they disappear or something like that. Well, apparently that's not exactly the case. Apparently Twitter keeps an archive of all of your old tweets. And at this point they've sold uh, rights to go through those tweets um, and possibly even uh, the the article doesn't um, say specifically, but there's a possibility that even current tweets um, for companies to go through them and you know check uh, uh, you know check if their product was named, see if they were saying in a good light or a bad light about it, kind of use um, the social media to figure out um, you know like how, how how products were being used, how they were. Basically doing market research. Market ba- research. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yep. Based on what the users are inputting on Twitter. That's right. That's you right. know, pundits have often asked how Twitter was going to monetize itself. Yes, that's true. Now we know. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, the old, well, not quite an old adage, but the adage that's out, out on the Internet is, is probably true. If you're not paying any money for anything, you're not a consumer, you're you're like the product, you know. you're So, so you know, I guess buyer be <laughs> I can't see I can't even say buyer beware user beware of of possible free you know software because it you know you might uh, it might be something where they're they're harvesting data or something like that and that's actually another good thing we're, that we're going to bring up um, later on the show not necessarily harv- harvesting data but a new privacy policy that's coming through uh, with Google right and yeah. that that that's been enacted uh, today I believe. today yeah today is the new privacy policy. For Google, that I- that that uh, creates privacy, you know, the privacy settings for all of Google's multiple uh, apps and all that sort of stuff uh, right, that we do. If you didn't opt out, opt out of that already, it's too late. Oh no! But we'll get we'll get into that a little later in the show. Um, I heard something about you were talking earlier before the show. Delicious treats about delicious treats. You're making me hungry. You're gonna be making me break my diet. So what, I- what is this all about? So, so we've talked about the the small Linux computer called Raspberry Pi that was developed by a U- UK company. Well, that, that got released here recently, mm-hmm. and basically it was so popular that it basically became a DOS attack uh, on the servers that were selling this because the demand was so high. They sold out within an hour. Whoa. And oh, it basically... Oh, snap. Basically crashed both of the manufacturer websites that were selling this. That's amazing. Um, which, yeah, so those of you who wanted to get some delicious raspberry pie you will have to wait <laughs> but i have good news there is another delicious treat out there um, hasn't been quite released yet it's supposed to be released sometime in march called mm-hmm. cotton candy and this one is actually <laughs> even cooler than raspberry pie it's about the size of a flash drive it basically looks like a flash drive and it's a standalone uh linux computer that you can actually also run a, a google operating system oh you've got it. a picture of it there don't you yeah it's oh. uh, it's uh three inches long by about an inch wide there so about the size of a um, wow a flash drive uh uh, quad core graphics processor, dual core ARM processor, um, wireless Bluetooth, 
one gig of RAM. It's also got a micro SD card slot, so you can add up to, up to 64 gigs wow. of memory to it. Um, supposed to be able to do full 1080p video. Through um, HDMI, yeah. Through right. HDMI. Right. Um, it's hmm. also got um, Bluetooth and wireless built in, so no need to plug a keyboard or mouse into it because it's got It'll Bluetooth. just find it. Yeah. Oh. So very cool. That's um, that's amazing. I, I mean, I could think of a I little bit pricier than what the Raspberry Pi was, but still. Raspberry Pi was around thirty thirty five ish. Yeah, and right? this is around two hundred. Around two hundred. Hmm. But still, you've got. I mean, this is the you. This is something you can throw into your in your pants pocket. Right. You wouldn't even need a very big pants pocket for this. Right. Or <laughs> you know, you don't want to connect. You have to bother with connecting your laptop to your TV all the time. You yeah. can just plug this in and leave it there. Right. Um. The other really cool thing that they developed with this is it's got a virtualization agent built in. So if you take this, it's like a flash drive. You can plug it into your PC or your Mac or a Linux computer, and it will virtualize the operating system that's on the flash drive mm. on your desktop, on your Mac or your PC. So that basically means for those for everybody listening out there who's not very familiar with virtualization, so it means... If, correct me if I'm wrong here. If you if you you have a Mac, right, mm -hmm. and this thing's got Linux on it, which is not a Macintosh operating system, you plug it into the Mac, it will automatically come up into this Linux environment. Won't need to install anything. It'll just work basically yep. right when you plug it in. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. That's really really cool. I mean, the thing it's it's so small, and and it's a full computer. I mean, wow. You know. The, I'm I'm just imagining this now. Talk, talk about the death of desktops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th th this this show should be called the death of desktops instead there of Google Maps. But I mean, like, think about you know this. Give it another year, and it's going to be you know twice as small. And then eventually, it's going to be like a little tiny chip on your phone. And then eventually, it'll be embedded into your robot arm, and you know, Hulu on your arm. There you go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, it, it, our guests here. What, what, is, what do you guys think about this? Uh, about this uh, little tiny, tiny computer, and what kind of uses do you think you'd have for it, if any? Well, right off the bat, I can see just uh, uh, home media centers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have your collection of movies, music, everything can now be on your on a main centralized either on the cloud or in your house somewhere. And then now you have this, just like you said, plugged into your TV or your receiver, and everything is streamed throughout your house just with this little chip. Plugged in in line behind your TV, not taking up any room. Yeah. yeah, and not making all that noise. You know, I've had a desktop in my in my living room for <laughs> my wife is like, that thing is noisy. Turn it off, but I have to have it on because you know I got to serve my media files. And this oh yeah. And now that don't I can now just, you don't need it anymore. Now I can just have that hard drive in, uh, plugged into my router in the basement and plug this. And think into about my even TV. going to if you go to like a, a conference, even if for work purposes, you mm -hmm. go to a conference instead of having everybody take laptops, they could just take their flash drive for and then the conference center has little displays set up on the table and that's it. You, everybody just plugs it in and they're ready to go. Yeah. Yep. That's so incredible. honey, you heard it, heard it here first. I'm spending <laughs> my tax return money on cotton candy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when you first introduced it, it was too, too, it was, you know, kind of reminded me of, you know, someone, you know, from, from yeah, the 1800s introducing a confection. It's like, ah, something <laughs> It's called cotton candy. Delicious. Delicious, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I, what you were saying about, you know, uh, media centers, and, and, and our guest brought this up too, media centers, you know, I've got, I've got a big old media center right in my, uh, in my living room, and it's, you know, it's not super loud, but I've got a dead hard drive in it. <laughs> um, well, I've got two hard drives, and I've got one, you know, extra storage, you know, extra hard drive in it, and it's like dead. It's deader than dead. In, in fact, every time you turn it on, it goes... 
cuck chunk. Yeah, that's ah, the, the click the, of the, death. The armature hitting the side of yep. the inside. Just of clicks chest. and clicks, and and I have to wait like mm, yeah, five, ten minutes for it to finally get through that. And it's like, oh, I have another hard drive here. I'll just use that. And yeah, if I could replace that huge honking thing with uh, something that fits in your pocket, yeah, then I would have more room for all my video games. So woohoo! Yay! <laughs> That's that's very cool. Well, what what else do we have in the news? Um, Anything else? Uh, yeah, another interesting thing. Uh, uh, Mercedes Benz is going to include Siri with their mm. new. Um, I believe it's their A class cars coming out, which um, is really neat. So they're going to integrate some actual voice commands for the car itself, um, which uh, is which is pretty crazy. And, and Ty, you have Siri right now on your iPhone. I do have Siri right now. Uh, how, how I wonder how this will work if you have multiple people in the car. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, if it's going to voice recognize only the driver, if everybody's going to be able to start shouting. Um, or you get Siri no. talking to Siri <laughs> and then. No, <laughs> it'll get confused. I'm pretty sure it'll get confused because I've tried using it in a, in, a, in a situation where everybody's talking. And yeah, you do kind of have to like cup it and be like, no, Siri, don't, don't, play, don't play Lady Gaga. I just don't, please. <laughs> you know. My kids have a lot of fun with Siri on my iPhone when I'm trying to tell it to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Siri, is that a, delete all contacts. No, no, no. So yeah, I can imagine that in a car, you know. But you know, it Siri it stop. <laughs> it, it would definitely be useful in a car situation, and I and I do use Siri, um, pretty much primarily in my car, um, because I I have a little uh, kind of a heads up display area where I set my iPhone, you know, right next to my GPS, and uh, and you know I'll be driving, I'll be on a trip or something, I'll be I'll be touring around with the band or something, and then all of a sudden I'll get a text message. You know, and it's something that oh, you know, I want I don't want to take my eyes off the road because that's dangerous. You need to don't text while you drive because that's just stupid. But you want to read what the person says. You have that itch. It's just like <laughs> like being addicted to emails. Like I gotta see what it says. So you know, you just say Siri, read me that message, and she'll read it through the you know the music will stop. It'll slowly fade out, and then she'll read the message. And then you can say Siri, you know, respond to that message, and then you know say that back. So I could definitely see that being a useful thing in cars. Definitely, especially in this day and age where everyone is is texting, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I wonder what uh, what kind of shenanigans we'll get into if, you know, if you've got your... The hilarity you, will ensue. If you've got your embarrassing media playlist on there and, you know, don't play when people are in the car, and then, yeah. Or if you uh, say gonna in it. Oh, no! Yeah. <laughs> and then your car is surrounded by SWAT teams. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was serious. That's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. All right. Well, um, all right. I think at this point it's probably we've we've had a, a fun news cycle, and I think we're going to take a quick commercial break here, uh, play you some music, and when we get back, we are going to talk all about uh, Google Apps and uh, what the university is doing with Google Apps and how you use uh, Google Docs to collaborate and all that sort of it just fun stuff. I love Google Apps. I'm going to talk about it forever. I hope our guests can get a word in edgewise because I love it so much. That's, that's basically all I'm saying. Uh, if you want to chime in on the Google Apps uh, discussion, please give us a call, 608-AOKWSUM. That is 608-265-9786. Or email us, radio at doit.wisc.edu. That's radio at doit, D-O-I-T dot wisc, W-I-S-C dot E-D-U. We'll be right back with more Do It Live.
And now, the Do It Live three disclaimers with the guest geek of the week, Hank Hill. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, a.k.a. Do It, and other university departments, as well as drawings and giveaways, may only be available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Participants of this broadcast may offer opinions or recommendations. However, they do not endorse, nor has any consideration been provided by on behalf of the products or services discussed. Oh, Bobby, that's a lot of disclaimers. Manatees are wonderful. Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin for Save the Manatee Club. Manatees are wonderful. Their gentle, playful ways are fascinating to watch. Yet these harmless marine mammals face growing threats to their survival. Many manatees are injured or killed from boat strikes or other human activities, and their habitat is being lost. Manatees are wonderful. Manatees need your help. Please call Save the Manatee Club at 1-800-432-JOIN or visit www.savethemanatee.com. Manatee.org. Manatee. Manatee. Manatee's Manatee. Manatee. Wonderful. And we're back with more to it live on WSUM 91.7 FM. The Snake on the Lake. And today, we are talking all about Google Apps and the wonderful things that Google does uh, for applications on the cloud, which uh, is one of our favorite things to talk about on the radio show here, the cloud, of course. Um, that was actually our first show that we ever did, and Do It Live was of the, the cloud and all of its powers. So um, with us today to talk about <laughs> the cloud and how Google is using the cloud and all of its wonderful different uh, ways here is uh, Brian Harris and Chris Holzman and uh, Sean Bossinger. How's it going, guys? Good. Very good. Pretty good. All right. So first yeah. off, uh, for the people who haven't ever used it, uh, what what is a Google Apps? How do I Google Apps? Well, if you want to, you can do it two ways. You can do it personally mm -hmm. uh, through your own uh, Google account, and then you would just go to Google.com and choose Docs or Sites or whatever you want to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to use the UW-Madison Google Apps, though, you would go to apps.google.wis.edu, and you would log in using your NetID. Mm -hmm. And the first time you log in, that actually creates your account. You don't have an account prior to that. But then from then on, you're known by your wis.edu address uh, to Google, and you can do documents, presentations, spreadsheets. You can create a website. You can create a wiki, all of those sorts of things. So there's so Google Apps in general is just kind of like a series of online applications that mimic well just about everything, right? Yeah, they mimic everything, kind of Microsoft Office like, mm -hmm. uh, but all with some added functionality as well. Uh, one of the very powerful features is the ability to create groups and share documents. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can create a group uh, within the Google Space, and you can use that to either share or send emails out to people, uh, that sort of thing, and that's pretty powerful. So it's kind of like a collaboration tool, an email list, uh, 
uh, a group directory kind of all sucked into one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the neat things is if you have a document that you're sharing and you want to work on for a project together, uh -huh. you can all be working on that document at the same time, and you can comment on it, share comments back and forth mm -hmm. while you're editing the document, and the edits appear to everybody in pretty near real time. So that's pretty pretty neat. And that that's pretty amazing for anybody who's used a, a Microsoft Office product on like a local area network and tried to share an Excel file or a Word document and oh. Well, I got to chat him and tell him to close that so I can go in and put my edits now. Right. Or you know, that's just amazing to be able to do that on the fly and and, and as a collaboration tool. Just yeah, to be the able old to desktop see. sharing is a little bit slower. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. I have um, uh, I I have used the collaboration, the real time collaboration, uh, in the past, and yeah, it is it is slick. You can. Not only are you chat, not only do you have a chat window built in to Google Docs, you can chat with a person, um, and not only, of course, you know, if you have a Google account, you can use Google Voice, uh, Google Voice and video chat to either call them on the phone or call them through the computer. Um, but y just like just like our guests were saying here, you can see them making the changes in real time. Uh, you know, and and laugh at them as they make their spelling mistakes and erase, and then go back, <laughs> go back, and you know, it's 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 amazing just to kind of see it and to be able to talk through it while someone makes the change. Absolutely incredible, very powerful system too. Absolutely wonderful. Um, my um, fiance and I are putting together kind of a a Google spreadsheet for our wedding planning. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and we're both online during the day, and so we both, you know, if something happens where we're like, oh, you know, we got to add in the photographer or something, we jump onto Google Spreadsheets, and you know, we got the chat window, boom, right there. I see her changing that up. I see her changing it. Oh, don't you know? Don't forget to put in the address. Oh, okay, blah 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 blah, back and forth. Absolutely incredible. I love it. I think it's great. Um, so, so tell us kind of about. Uh, so you said that that uh, that students here at UW Madison automatically. Uh, get access to you know the Google Docs. Um, what el what other sort of um, applications uh, does your Wist.edu uh, uh, login uh, allow you to access via these Google apps? Well, within Google, within the UW Madison Google apps, mm -hmm. there are kind of two flavors. Okay. One is what we call the Google apps themselves, and that's Docs and sites and groups mm -hmm. and then but you also have access then to all of google's consume what we call consumer applications and that's youtube Flickr, uh and all there's about 50 or so applications from google that are available through that site ah. so you can create a, an account in any of those using your wist.edu email address the one catch though is that those applications have a different terms of service than the core apps for UW Madison Google Apps. Okay, and that you know that's an interesting thing that you brought up there. We we talked earlier on the show about uh, Google privacy. They're changing their privacy, their terms of service. Um, can you speak to that a little bit and see and and about you know kind of the or maybe Andy maybe you can jump in if you know a little bit more about the changes uh, on the privacy settings. Uh, or even Sandy, you were saying earlier you had done a little bit of uh, a little bit of research on that. Is, is that right? Sandy Cyberlick here, uh, our producer, uh, sitting uh, on, on her computer and uh, doing so some research on maybe this. Maybe I could just clarify one thing first. Yeah, so yeah. when UW Madison with their core apps, UW Madison actually uh, negotiated and signed a, a separate agreement with Google with Google okay. that protects uh, everybody. That's a member of the university community, so students and faculty and staff. 
the consumer apps are all individual click-through agreements mm -hmm. so that I as an individual have to consent to whatever the policies or terms of service are that Google is offering for that app. And that's, I think, where the privacy policy really comes into play. Okay. So why, why, did, uh, why did the university have to create a separate agreement with Google? Why couldn't we just use their, their kind of the agreement that they had right, right then and there? There really is one fundamental reason, and is that is to protect the intellectual property of the university, of the students and staff of the university. And our, what our language does is it ensures that content created by members of the university community always belongs to those members. Content created by Google always belongs to Google, and there's very clear definition between those things. That's a little bit fuzzier sometimes in the consumer agreements where I as an individual click through, mm -hmm. and that was the primary reason. And I, su I suppose you got a lot of uh, very important research data and uh, stuff that you know people need to be secure and, and and that kind of stuff. That probably also covers a lot of that uh, yeah, that agreement, it, right? Yes, and it puts the university in a position of being able to legally defend or or uh, go after people who abuse that intellectual property. Okay. Um, you know, we, we'd also talked uh, quickly uh, before we jump back on the privacy thing for the consumer apps. Um, there had been some talk about, uh, as part of this whole kind of rollout, uh, Google, uh, Google Mail, Gmail, actually possibly replacing Whisk Mail, the Whisk Mail system that we have now, uh, sometime in the future. Um, can you speak to that a little bit and maybe some of the, you know, um, challenges that will come up because of that or... Uh, that's something we've looked at for a long time, not just Gmail, but also Google Calendar, mm -hmm. as well as Google Talk. And uh, part of, there's some both technical and sort of policy procedural issues there. Uh, what's, what's happened really with mail is that we've been in a process for quite a while of evaluating our mail systems. And something that's unique about UW-Madison is we don't just have WISC mail. We have a number of email systems mm -hmm. on the campus. And so it isn't just a matter of moving WISC mail. It really would be a matter, can you move all of these email systems and kind of consolidate them and go to a vendor like, like Google to do that? And so that's kind of complicated, sure. uh, the situation. And so we've been looking at that. And right now there is a team through a program called Administrative Excellence, which you may have heard of. Mm -hmm. And that team is looking at this whole area, and they're going to make some recommendations this spring. And we expect the university to begin to act on those recommendations this year. Okay. Well, we'll definitely have to have you come back in the spring after you guys make those uh, decisions and, oh, yeah. and come talk about them yeah. on the air. It huh? should be very interesting. All right. So, uh, Sandy, let's let's talk real quick about the, the new Google privacy settings for the consumer apps because I'd imagine a lot of people here at the university um, may have used Google apps before the university actually started using them may have their own private Google Apps account, like I do. I, I use Google Apps quite a bit on my own private account. Um, so how is that going to affect uh, people that are using Google Apps? What do they got to watch out for? It's not that they really changed the settings that much. It's that they actually changed the privacy policy. And what they're saying is they've shortened it, they've made it easier to read, and they've explicitly stated a lot of things that people assumed in the past or that were buried farther down in the document. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we've been talking about here is that you have to know which account you're logged into in order to know which privacy effect um, privacy policy is affecting you okay so with the consumer apps um, 
they have the ability to aggregate your information and show you targeted ads and things like that. So those are some of the things that you probably noticed already. So like if you're if you're writing an email about, uh, you know, I'm taking a trip to Hawaii to your mom, it might pop up on the side like thinking about Hawaii. Kind yeah, of. here's all these flights on sale or right, something right, like right, that. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of thing. And the other thing is that um, you should remember that if you want to, you can search for Google Dashboard, mm-hmm. and you can actually opt out of some of these things. You can turn off your search log. There are some things that you can do if you actually go into the Google Dashboard when you're using the consumer apps to protect your privacy a little bit more. Okay. But it's worth it's worth looking at the policy. It's much shorter now. And I know that we just automatically check the box and keep moving. when. But we, it is a very easy read now. It is. It's much more straightforward. So it's like maybe two pages instead of 60? I think it's three. Three pa- Oh, my God. I can't read three pages. You know how busy I am? It's crazy. The other thing they did was um, take, uh, you know, Google has bought up many different sites, YouTube. Uh, um, you know, there's all kinds of different services. I they think they provide. had like 60 and different they, policies. Right. And so there were so many different policies, and they're all going through the same place. So basically this was to el- eliminate confusion between all those different user agreements I see that's interesting um, you could opt out of this uh, some of the tracking that Google's doing before today um, basically <laughs> now it's too late it's too late <laughs> um, basically though even if you did opt out they're still tracking your data uh, for 18 months and then they continue to use it it just becomes anonymous after that time period so mm. um and speaking from the help desk side of things for using the UW Google Apps mm-hmm. versus your personal account, uh, we do have docs out there to help you differentiate which one you're logged into. So if you go to the kb.wist.edu and search for anything, just like Google Switch, it'll mm-hmm. uh, take you through the screenshots of how to tell which one you are logged into so you kind of know which protection policy you fall under. That's really good to know because a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people do have like a personal Google account. A lot of people keep that logged in too. You know, they're not uh, expunging their cookies on every uh, eg- every exit of their browser. So, uh, I know I am guilty of that as well because you know I just because I'm lazy. That's ba- that's basically <laughs> what it boils down to. So, uh, Brian, also from the help desk side of things, what kind of um, what kind of issues have people been seeing, or maybe can you say, you know, what what do you think is ma- maybe the most used Google app, or something you're excited uh, about it, on it, it? Yeah, it comes from different sides. Uh, certainly, the most talked about one, and that the the faculty is really behind, is the Google Group side okay. of things of, of setting up a group for their class, getting students involved that way. From the student side of things, it's it's definitely just the docs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do like the collaboration. They like that they can do something quick wherever they are. They don't have to remember to bring pen drives with them. You know, that's just up on the cloud. Uh, Support-wise, so far, has actually been pretty good. A lot of it has been going through our KB docs and, and just going through Google Help itself. Uh, just this year alone, so for the last two months, uh, we've had 4,000 page views on wow. our KB docs on Google Apps. Wow. And so we see a lot of hits that way. Uh, of what we're actually seeing, we've only had 136 cases about Google Apps since we rolled it out live last March. Wow. So a lot of people are, are either happy with the way it currently is or are able to find <laughs> information in the KB docs we have or online with Google. And, uh, and really, in terms of, of the frustration they've been seeing with Google, we've only had uh, 11 cases where people want more functionality or would like something changed. 
So Interesting. The way it's going right now is is everything has has gone quite smoothly. So, yeah, so and I should point out we've got over ten thousand users now for the Google Apps UW Madison. That's incredible. Wow, that's, that's 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 incredible. Because I mean, when you think about you know what the what's the size of the normal student population is like something like forty thousand. Yeah, it's f- so. I mean, 40. you got one fourth of the campus using right. Google Doc, mm-hmm. Docs right now. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Now. You know, maybe you can speak to uh, last week. We we talked about this on the program. Microsoft came out with an attack ad. Um, uh, I don't know if you, did you guys all see it. The the Google lighting ad. I actually have not seen it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got to check it out. It's it's actually pretty funny and it's it's interesting. I don't think Microsoft has really any ever done anything kind of like this in the past. But the talking about the feature changes that occur. Exactly. So the the crux of it was that they were saying, uh, "Hey, be careful about using Google Apps because Google." might just, you know, pull the rug right out from under you and just, just close it down, you know, because you're not paying anything for it. So, I mean, why why trust that? Or they might change something. You might have something, you know, on your document that's there today and gone tomorrow. You know, it's it's free. You can't complain, that kind of a deal. Um, is that something that we've seen? Or is it something that, you know, is, is, is a possibility? Uh, we, we've seen some of it in terms of just their overall applications. We do have a list, again, at the kb.wist.edu if you search for available apps. Uh, you get to see not only just those main, uh, the, the docs, sites, and groups, but also what else is available under your uh, at wist.edu account. And we've seen that change, where we'll have uh, applications that Google has made available, and then the next month they're not available anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of the applications, the, the main ones themselves of feature changes, we haven't seen anything drastic where some functionality gets turned off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was saving it this way, and now I can't save it anymore. We haven't a- seen that yet. Actually, I think it's the, the opposite of that, that they're more more apt to add features, yes. yeah. which is something that can't happen with a box-type so- right. software. Um, I mean, it can. You can get an update, but that rarely happens where they yeah. actually add I a thought new the, the Microsoft ad was, fun, was fantastic. Uh, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was just different from them, but I, I also found it interesting that Microsoft also has their own cloud services right. that they're releasing quite <laughs> right. quickly. Right, and, so and that, that's subject to the same, the same pitfalls. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. And so. the interesting thing also about that uh, commercial that Microsoft put out was they picked some of Google's least used apps. Yeah, they were talking about like Google Wave. Google Wave and Google Buzz. They right. said, "Oh, those went away, so you know, no 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 guarantees on Docs, but And Google statistically measures who uses or not who, but how many people use which app. So mm-hmm. they'll factor that into any decisions they make in terms of deprovisioning or <laughs> turning off some of those applications. So in your opinion, uh for for the guests, do you, do you think Google Docs is going away anytime soon? No. no, no, that's a no. I would say that's a no too. And I would say, yeah, to Andy, uh, uh, what the part that Andy brought up too, um, probably more apt to add new features into it than to take it away or to take features away. I was an early adopter of Google Docs. I was in it on the the beta, and um, uh, you know, back when you could you could barely even change your font. I think there was like four font choices or something like that. And now, I mean, now there's four font choices with bold and underlined. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. And and now there's oh, there's so many different things you can do in Google. I mean, they've added the spreadsheets. They've added presentations. That's you know when we were talking earlier about uh, using um, cotton candy to do your presentations. You know, now that you've got cloud-based uh, stuff, you can really use any computer mm-hmm. with this Google presentations. You can pull it up and uh, and add you know run a slideshow just yeah. kind of off the web. Now. Uh, I've used it. It's not quite as full-featured as PowerPoint, 
but it gets the job done. Right, it gets the job done, and they're probably going to be adding more and more features to it every and it's free. week, and it's free. Yeah, and it really helps when you're doing presentations with other groups or other people who aren't directly in your office mm-hmm. where you can start the presentation you just share it they, everybody's online collaborating you can see exactly what's changing in the presentation yeah. uh, it helps a lot mm-hmm. uh, one caveat is you, you you have to be online and have an active internet connection to use Google Docs good thing about that is I, I can't remember a time where the Google site went down do you anybody remember I, <laughs> I, cannot, I can't remember the um, time they're they're pretty robust um, it more more likely you'd have a cha- uh, problem with your own internet right. connection. Right, right. <laughs> if you if you are experiencing problems with your internet connection, best to uh, you know possibly start typing up an outline of your paper in Notepad or something local on your computer, and then throw it into Google when you know you've got a good internet connection. Right, so. but there's you know Wi-Fi almost everywhere. Um, you can you know just about everyone is connected to the internet. <laughs> and uh, uh, from the the side of of, of always on, um, every once in a while Google does have issues with logins mm-hmm. or, or or one of their apps does go down. It does happen. Uh, but w- what we have on our uh, site at doit.wist.edu/slash/google-apps is a link uh, on the right hand side that says App Status Board. So if you ever have problems logging into a, an app or, or you're wondering why is it running slow, if you just go right to that site, click on that link, it'll take you right to Google's site that shows you the status for all of their applications. Uh, they color code everything, and so you can kind of see where things are going at. So you at least have a little bit of a heads up in case something is, is acting a little wonky on you. Oh, okay. Right, unless you be worried that anything you put into Google Docs is going to, as you're typing, uh, it saves automatically every few seconds yeah that was that was another thing that was i was actually just going to bring up is is how quickly it saves you you can type a character and it'll pretty much save it so the days of like setting your auto save to five or ten minutes and then working furiously on this perfect idea and then having your computer crash uh, those are gone or or even the days of oh you know i worked for hours and hours and hours on this um presentation during finals week and of course the computer knows it's finals week so it it crashes immediately and i need access to my paper and it's doing an hour and uh, you know that's gone too because you just go to a different computer log in your google account and boom no more dog ate my homework excuse there it is or your hard drive bursts into flames that's not going to happen with google docs yeah and and i mean i could even see it you know this is just this is obviously just a possibility but i can even see it being used possibly for turning in assignments um sharing it say with maybe your uh professor who's you know using google apps you could turn in a a read-only uh file of it uh at a given time and have the professor have it there instead of actually you know printing out paper and that kind of stuff so actually google docs also lets you print to pdf right so that you can actually email that kind of format to anywhere. Well, I think that's the default uh, of it, right? When you go to print, mm-hmm. it'll automatically print into PDF for you. Yeah, that's really, really nice. Yeah. So, uh, so check out Google Docs. Uh, check out Google Apps, of course, on uh, with your uh, with your NetID. And if you have a Google account, there are bajillions of other Google products that you qualify for. Some of which I'm just looking at now, and I had no idea. That's a that's that a lot had. of apps. That's a lot. I mean, I'm it's it's I have to scroll down on this web page. So you can and it's tiny apps here. Um I don't know, Andy, have you ever used this one Picnic? 
No, I, I have Are no you familiar idea. with Picnic? I've Google. never heard of this. And this is today. Did they give you raspberry pie with that? I don't recall <laughs> hearing it before. No. Yeah. I know we've looked through the whole list and decided which ones we would offer to campus. <laughs> I just saw, yeah, I'm looking at this now. Uh, picnic. Um, oh, wait. Uh, it's shutting down. Whoopsie. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Forget about uh, that one. We did not mention that. We didn't, yeah. It was, um, apparently it's a, it's a, a photo editor. But apparently it's closing it's closing oh. down. So that's I think they rolled all the changes into Picasa. Right. They were yes. shutting down all oh. their other photo editing ones. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Right, because okay. they, they had owned uh, There's three the, or four that they yeah. had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, you know, they've got Google Music, Google Books, Google News, Picasa, like you said. Lots of different stuff out there. Google Reader. Google Reader is very fun. Um one that I haven't I don't know, have you guys used um I don't even know how you pronounce it, or Orkut? Orkut. Orkut? Have you used it at all? What is it? What is right, it's it? A, it's a meet new people and stay in touch with friends. Isn't that just Google Plus? What is, you know, like it's similar, but I think there are some places in the world where Orchid is very popular mm. as a I social media. And I'm not sure where, but I just remember hearing this. Okay, okay, huh. interesting. Well, uh, guys, quick, we'll go, quick go around the room. Um, favorite Google app and why? Andy. <laughs> well, the the one I use the most is uh, uh, Gmail, but Gmail that's kind of boring. But oh, it's not boring. I like Gmail. Uh, for me, it's Google News. Google News. I use that constantly to keep myself up to date. So, for those who haven't, who who are not familiar with Google News, can you give a little brief description of what it does? Uh, what it is? Google News is a news aggregator that uh, goes out and collects uh, essentially the headlines and brief synopsis of articles from journals, magazines, blogs, everything, and assemble those into topical areas. And then if you need to, you can link out to those to read the, f- to f- read the full articles. So. Okay. Sean? Similar to uh, my buddy Chris to my right here, uh, I'm actually partial to Google Reader. Oh. Um, I like to pick the headlines that I uh, look at while Google <laughs> News aggregates yeah. headlines from around the world. Yeah. Google Reader See, allows me. I'm just me lazy, so I like Google <laughs> <laughs> Google Reader lets me pick uh, the different RSS feeds that I want to look at. So, for example, if I wanted to look at news from doit.wisc.edu, I can actually <laughs> add that to my Google Reader and be able to read that on the bus on the way in. Yeah, so you'll be up to date before you even get in. Oh my gosh, everything is that. I already know. I already know. It's all right. And Brian, what about you? Uh, I think uh, Docs for me has been the most useful. We <coughs> use it at work uh, with the student employees. Mm-hmm. So we're able to uh, collaborate on policies and then as students, and it color codes everything so I know exactly who made the changes and when. And then as they graduate and leave, it's easy to just share it to the next uh, student employee. Yeah. And a ad- added benefit is you can watch while they edit it and see what they're <laughs> typing, it's entertaining about, at times. typing about you in there before erasing it. Yeah, Brian is such a – I mean, he's great. He's watching me right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, for me, I would say uh, it's, it's hard to pick, but I really – I actually like uh, Google Calendar hmm. quite a bit. Um, what I have done is I have a bunch of people whose schedules that I have to manage – um, just kind of in a in a personal personal life type of thing, uh, and I have them share all of their calendars with me. So uh, w- if I'm in a situation where someone says like, "Hey, can you guys all meet up on this day and this time?" Um, I don't have to contact them individually and wait for them to email me back or wait for them to call me back or text me back or whatever. I can look at their and assuming that they've done this correctly, <laughs> I can I can look at uh, 
uh, my calendar, and it pulls up all of their calendars automatically. And then boom, 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 boom. I could say, uh, uh, yeah, uh, no, he's got a piano recital right there. Can't do it. Uh, let's move it over to Wednesday. And I, yep. I really, I really like that. I've used that too for like planning family vacations. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's super fun. Super, super fun. All right. Uh, well, anything else that we want? We've got a couple minutes left. Any, any other? Uh, where, where can someone go if they? I've got a, a net ID. Um, I think we said this at the beginning of the show, but always good to repeat it. Where does someone go to sign up for uh, a Google Docs to get that activated? How do you do that? Uh, the easiest way to log in is uh, doit.wista.edu slash Google Apps. And then you'll uh, see a page right there that it not only has the general information behind everything we've talked about, but a uh, login with your UW-Madison NetID account link. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for being on the program today. And uh, thanks for coming in and talking about Google Apps, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Well, it looks like our hour is just about up, so we've come to the end of another episode of Do It Live. Thanks very much for listening out there. We've got some people that we'd like to thank as well. Special thanks go out to our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Ryan Hansen, Edward Hoover, Brian Rust, Sean Bossinger, and Bill Zimmerman. Dewitt's Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman, and our CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Bruce Moss. Today's broadcast was produced by Ty Christian, that's me, and Sandy Cyberlick. Our associate producers are Laura Grady, Teresa Saldana, and Andy Muchleski. Our on-air producer and director of e-communications is Matt Rockwell, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producers of Do It Live are Ty Christian and Adam Wiesenfarth. Join us next time for another action-packed hour of Tech Talk. And in the meantime, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. Check out our website, doit.wisp.edu forward slash radio. And if you want to get a hold of us, email us, radio at doit.wisp.edu. We'll see you then.